Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 1234 in Edmonton. Just before we go to David Staples, who was kind enough to do a flip with us today, we needed to move Brian Lawton to the 1 o'clock slot today. Two quick texts on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. I'm not going to be able to get them all in. We're literally getting, I'd say, about 100 every six or seven minutes right now. Bob, this is the other U.S. Steve that's established that, says the Chisler. Here's hoping not ever being banned from the show. I'm definitely prepared for whatever, though. Throughout this text and the show, it's evident that they are using uh, Tim Peel as an example, a scapegoat. This happens often amongst officials based on uh, audio picking up. Come on. Oh, I heard, by the way, Bob, just for the uh, Tim down in Alba, or the Steve down in Albuquerque, you're still considered the all-time fighting and chucking and dropping the flippers champ with the Staff Kona Warriors from back in the day. I can attest to that, says the Chisler. Yeah, not when we played St. Albert and they had Todd Ewan, God rest his soul, and uh, Red Deer when they had Martinori. Wasn't no champ at that time, that I can tell you. All right, you can text us, 780 uh, this text comes in from Oilers GM, who says, Bob, remember this text from February 20th of 2020. It's either I'm right or it's a loser's lament on your part. Bob, you call me biased. You call me a homer. You call, or, 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 sorry, Bob, call me biased. Call me a homer. Call me a conspiracy theorist, says Oilers GM. I don't care what you call me. The Oilers never get the calls they de- deserve, and this has been going on for a decade. It's Bettman's Joke League. That's the text that was sent by Oilers GM, who follows up and says, Tim Peel just proved my point. Whenever we, the fans, call the zebras out for their horrible officiating, we are called Loser's Lament, Craig Simpson. Homers, excuses, etc. for losers. Bob, this isn't just one ref managing the game. It's steeper. It starts at the top with Batman. It leads the way. I'll never forget the Anaheim series. We got screwed three times in that series, even after the video review. Uh, well, it was a tight series. It was a seven-game series. The Oilers lost four times in that series. And you'd like a do-over in the final four minutes of game five. But there were some tough calls in that series, and they got no beneficial calls in game three and game four at Edmonton either. They didn't. However, they had $22 million worth of players, Milan Lucic, Benoit Pouliot, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Jordan Everly that did not score an even-strength goal in that series. Okay? If they had scored an even-strength goal in that series uh, in either what turned out to be, what, game three, or was it game four and game five when they lost in overtime? They win the series. 
So that's part of the reason. Why I agree the call in game five sucked the end of the game. I mean, that, that one had everybody upset. But then, of course, it came back and blew them. And then, you know what, game seven, it was a quiet game for both teams. But, yes, officials can. The, the, the individuals out there that sit there and say officials cannot influence the outcome of the game, I don't think they purposely mean to do it, but it can happen because of either a lack of action or too much action. And hockey is a hard game to officiate because of the pace and quickness. All right, uh, we're gonna, I know David Staples is chomping at the bit. We're going to tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roost Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town. Every meal is an occasion at Roost Chris Steakhouse. For uh, Will Hawk Beef Jerky, who is... Uh, Got uh, something that just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Today, we go to our headliner today from the cult of hockey, David Staples. David, you're our headliner. How are you doing? Uh, well, it's it's an honor to be a headliner. That's that's great. <laughs> so I'm doing good. All right, here we go. Uh, I mean, this has been, and, and you, you and me have had a lot of conversations about this sort of stuff over the years, and you do a good job of aggregating stories that are available and out there, both good, bad, and indifferent about the Edmonton Oilers. What is your take on what has uh, transpired here with Tim Peel? First of all, if I was the head of the referees, referees union right now, Bob, I would say until you um, unmike the referees or unmike uh, don't don't have what they say reported on live, we're not playing it. We're not roughing another game. We're not going to uh, work under those conditions where our our uh, conversations can be made public like that and someone can get d- disciplined in an unfair way. I I, I I just think Bob that the the NHL coming down on Peel in this way is so patently unfair. All Tim Peel did was say the quiet part out loud. He said what every referee, most every referee in the NHL, is thinking and saying all game long. And he he just got caught saying it. But for the NHL to come down and, and act like no referee doesn't manage a game, to come down like like that they don't try to even up penalties, that they don't give more penalties to the team that's behind in the game, that they don't give more penalties to the away team. All of these things happen, and I think different people have dug into the numbers over the years and proven that all those things happen. Curtis Stock did a series in the journal a few years back uh, looking at the home the bias in favor of home teams for the NHL to come down so hard on Peel. I just, I just think it's just terrible management of labor relations management with the referees. And it's kind of covering up. They're trying to pretend that the, you know, I don't want, don't want to call it the big lie, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a lie to suggest that they don't manage games. And for Peel to be hammered so hard is, I just think patently unfair. Yes, the great lie, Dulcem Decorme pro Patrimori, it's sweet and becoming to die for one country, right? One country. Wasn't, wasn't that it from, uh, yeah, back, uh, back. It, was, it was actually a Joseph Goebbels saying, so I don't want to invoke that. I don't want to right. make that kind of comparison. No, it's, it's, it's just, they just went too far here is what I'll my, say. Uh, my, my quote was from the First World War, not the yes, Second World War. Yeah, there's all it's, kinds it's, of lies in, in warfare. Will, I believe it was Wilfred Owen, if I recall correctly. So, look, uh... 
this is, I mean, this is an interesting one. And I know that you, uh, I believe it was Darcy McLeod today, one guy who tweeted out a link to a story that somebody had written pertaining to Tyler Dello's detective work all those, like, 15 years ago or yeah. so involving uh, Colin Campbell and the exchange that he had had uh, with the then, is I don't even know if Stephen Wacom is still the head of officials anymore. I'm, I'm not sure on that front. But there is an NHL Players Association. We should say that. Uh, the league has 34 full-time referees, 34 uh, full-time linesmen. And it, it, I mean, we all know it. I, I guess, David, it just reinforces, doesn't it, that we all know what happens. We all know this goes on. Yeah, and there's a human element to refereeing, and, and I have a lot of sympathy for people who have to referee a sport as fast as NHL hockey. And, you know, Ray Ferraro put out a tweet, you know, his preferred method is just call the rule book. Yeah. And I and I really do think that that should be the in, the total focus of the NHL referees. And I, it's not. And they let a lot of stuff go. And they let us, you know, they call certain things. Like if you get your, your stick up in the hands of a, uh, of a player this year, you're, you're off. But you can hack and slash still uh, quite a bit, and you're not off. So Colin, Colin Campbell, I, I think, is responsible f- fundamentally for the overall what gets called and what doesn't get called in a big way. He's been calling the shots, having a huge influence on the style of playing the NHL for a long time. And, and I think he's responsible for the biggest problem, which Ray Ferraro identified, is that they just yeah. don't, the, the total focus isn't just calling the rule books strictly like they do in uh, European football. I think they don't, they don't allow shirt pulling anymore, for instance. They used to allow that all the time, and they just, they just don't allow that. They zero tolerance they call the rule book. You know, David, it's funny uh, because we've had lots of discussions. I, I know when the Oilers played the Flames uh, back in 1819, it was the game that Cassian went after uh, Kachuk the first time, and Kachuk was face washing, tried to face wash McDavid at the end of the game, and got in with Dry Settle. Dry Settle slew footed Kachuk earlier in the game, but Kachuk draws an incredible amount of calls because he's always around the net and he's always engaged. But it's it's my belief that that hot, that a byproduct of how the games have been managed has resulted in the stars not being protected enough, and that is counter to what the National Football League has done with quarterbacks, and how the NBA has uh, officiated forever, where the stars totally get the benefit of the doubt. What's traveling for an NBA superstar is not traveling for the everyday player, and it's almost like hockey has the opposite sort of perspective david and i wonder if part of it is the canadian centric nature of the the sort of the peterborough group that's been involved in this mike murphy over the years and colin campbell and those guys like you know there's almost it's like they're they're trying to equalize everything whereas you know the nfl and the nba are leagues that are american run and americans know how to promote stardom that's part of what they do you know do you think there might be something to that I've been around Canadian Minor Hockey League for a long time now. I've been a coach for a long time uh, in the just minor hockey coach. And the, the, one of the things you constantly hear is parents hate the puck hog. They're constantly complaining about the puck hog. So instead of celebrating that kid who can go through everybody with the puck on a stick and score a goal, which is what Connor McDavid does, and we all celebrate him to no ends, the Connor McDavid on every minor hockey league team in Canada gets a lot of flack for being that player. So there is that aspect. And I don't know if it's the same in the United States with the basketball player who can go through everyone 
on the, the court. It's the opposite. It's the opposite in the Indian. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, celebrate, there, but... it's celebrated in the U.S. I mean, it's like it's like Canadian musicians. Hey, you're nothing until you make it to the States. The only band that was the exception to that is the Tragically Hip. They're our band, right? That was the one band. Screw the yeah. U.S. They don't know what they're doing, right? Uh, but no, like seriously, I think there's something to this. I think there is too, Bob. Like I, I you know, I, I just think we should celebrate every little Connor McDavid on every team, uh, minor hockey team in Canada, and, and not try to, to hold that player back and and try to turn every player into that player. Encourage every player to take that risk and take chances. We're just kind of cautious. We like, you know, the shoot the puck up the boards, and um, you know, as soon as you get it, pass it. Rather than when you get it, you know, make a play with it, take a chance, man, take a risk. And that's not the Canadian ethic in hockey and I've fought against it on my own teams and with, with other parents, honestly. I just think we need to celebrate the great skill of the individual players uh, rushing the puck, and I'm all for it. So, All right, uh, David Staples, Call to Hockey, joining us right now. David, we're going to switch focus. I put a tweet out this morning. The uh, highest-scoring free agent signing of the 2020 offseason is Tyson Berry at four goals and 30 points. That's a defenseman doing that. There's some forwards that signed for double that amount on on a one year deal uh, that don't have Barry's uh, numbers so far this year. It's kind of worked out, hasn't it? It really has. He 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 has played very well. He was signed because the Oilers weren't sure that Evan Bouchard was ready, and they needed to. They want to compete for the Stanley Cup this year, and they needed that offensive defenseman, especially with Clefbaum being out. And he has moved the puck fantastically. He's he's just been brilliant moving the puck. His defense is a little weak, but um, he was he was signed to move the puck and shoot the puck, and he's doing it great. His defense is a little weak. Has it been better than you thought? No, <laughs> no. It hasn't? It's, been, right. it's Bob, it's been about what I thought it was going to be, and it has been a little. Like, you know, I, I, from the way I see it, he does leak more chances against than almost any other defenseman. Him and Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear was really struggling previously with that. Yeah. But he's 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 been keeping a clean sheet the last few games. He's just really shutting them down on defense. But but Jones and, and Barry have both struggled with this consistently all year yeah. long. I guess the trade-off is you take the offense generated by Barry as opposed to maybe the lack of offense that isn't generated by others, and he has a history of generating offense. This is going to be an interesting situation. Uh, what are your thoughts on whether or not the Oilers need a third-line center? They obviously signed, so, I mean, look, they've hit so far so good on Barry. We're 34 games in the season. The guy's plus seven. He's got 30 points. He's, like, plus 15 in his last 26 games. Um, and I, I know, I know, here comes even strength points per 60 and chances for and chances against, and we'll debate that uh, to the nth degree. Um what about third line center for Edmonton? Kyle Turrison on a two year deal, 1.65. Obviously, it, to date, hasn't worked out. Do they need to go sign? Like, would you spend $4 million on a third line center or would you spend elsewhere? Oh, I would spend elsewhere in a second. I don't. I don't actually get it because I heard Speck on the show uh, yesterday talking about how he thought the need was a third line center, a big need on this team, and um, you know, I, I don't get it. The way Jujar Kara has played and Gaetan Haas have played. Um, they've they've both been playing strong two way hockey. They've they have lifted up those uh, bottom two lines and are kind of carrying them on their shoulders to a certain extent. They're both doing so well. What what do we want from a third line center other than to lead your line to score a little bit more than the other team when you're out there and um, get some offensive zone time and mostly Bob 
cover off the defensive slot when you're the center. Don't leave those wide open chances. And so the whole problem, one of the major problems on the Oilers earlier this year was Kyle, Kyle Turris was really struggling in the defensive slot. All kinds of wide open looks for the other yep. team where they were scoring goals. He wasn't getting the job done. But Jujar Kara and Gaetan Haas are, and I think that the reputation of third line centers is often made in the playoffs. If you have playoff success and the, and the players do exactly what Kara and Haas are doing right now in the regular season, then they're elevated to this status of the outstanding, the, you know, the top third line center. Kara and Haas haven't done that. If they do that in the playoffs this year, and I don't see any reason why they can't, then suddenly we're going to think, oh, we're covered at center. We've got some strong, gritty, you know, established two-way centers, uh, third and fourth line centers. So that's what I think could happen, will happen, and I don't see that as a need at all. You know I love Pajot. I've mentioned him on the show. He's in the fives, okay? The guy in Winnipeg, Adam Lowry, impossible not to love him. Yeah. He's, right? He's going to get four something. He's going to get four something, okay? I'm just going to throw this at everybody out there listening right now, okay? Think about this for a second. So it's probably only going to cost you max one and a half to extend uh, Jujar Kara. Yeah. It's probably going to uh, cost you no more than 900000 bucks to re-sign Gaetan Haas. That's $2.4 million for two guys, one a left shot, one a right shot. you got another year of Taurus, okay? So for uh, you know, you, and you're, you've got tourists already signed. So that's so instead of so you're spending basically two point five million for two guys that can give you some different options instead of spending. And you're not going to get Lowry because Winnipeg's going to re-sign him. But to get a guy of that caliber, you're looking at four to five million dollars a year. Are you not better off just sticking what you've got? Just hear me through. Sticking with what you got, seeing how far along Holloway and McLeod are. If they're an option at some point during the course of the next season, spend the money on left wing, on second line left wing, and then you know what? If you're sitting here at this, you know, at uh, trade deadline time next year, and it's clear you have a hole, maybe then acquiring the. Because I got news for you, David. I don't know how many good third line centers are out there. But some of those guys tend to get paid pretty well. And I think I'd rather prioritize spending for a second-line left wing. What about you? I would. But here's the thing. If the Oilers have some success in the playoffs this year as well, I don't know if they're going to have a lot of money for everybody else. Let's say Yamamoto gets really hot in the playoffs. Let's say Kara and uh, Haas play as well as I think they can in the playoffs and really come through and and, uh, look like solid players. Suddenly, everyone's going to get a little bit more money. The owners already are spending right to the top of the cap, and um, I don't see where the money's going to come. Yeah, they're, they're going to, you know, Chris Russell's going to earn a little less next year, and um, there is going to be a bit more money, but that money can easily get taken up. If the owners have playoff success, suddenly everyone's more expensive. So I just, I think if there is money, yeah, I think a top forward and a goalie um, is where the money's going to go, and Mike Smith's going to make it interesting for the Oilers probably next year in terms of, of, wow. of what they do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I mean, this is just huge, this is this huge oh, question mark. You were right? like, all, all over them, David. Come on, man. You were all over them for bringing Smith back, and now you're saying they have to consider resigning him? You're right. They have to consider <laughs> They do, Bob. I was all over him, and I was wrong. And I've, I've said I was wrong. Like, man, I was wrong. And a lot of people were wrong. I don't think I was the only one who was wrong. But he's, he's you know, we didn't know what he was going to do in terms of his changing his 
game this summer and getting in shape. What we've what we'd seen in the last few years was a goalie who was constantly getting hurt and having terrible runs of play and had a 900 safe percentage. So I think it was fair critique. But uh, when the facts change, when, when someone's performance changes, I, I will change with that. I'll say, hey, he's opened up my eyes and it's going to make it interesting for the Oilers this summer and what they do when it comes to signing him. Dave, there is a caveat with my spiel on the centers, okay? Because it pertains to something that you've written about. Oilers PK success. Why has there been a drop off this year compared to last year? Bob, I, I just think they really, really, really miss Riley Sheehan. And, and, and to, to put it all on one player might sound like a lot, but here's what I think is happening. So we know from Jim Playfair what the Oilers want to do on the PK is stop they want to funnel everything to the outside, stop cross-seam passes, stop uh, rebound shots. And what's happening this year is, is there's breakdowns, and most of the breakdowns, I think, are happening right at the top of the PK. Shane was so brilliant in that tough moment right at the start. You know, the, the, the start of any PK is the really dangerous time. If the other team can get possession off the face-off, then start moving the puck around, slinging it around, and that's what they're doing consistently against the orders. They're, they're winning the face-off, and they're slinging that puck around at the top and uh, slicing through the Oilers uh, forwards with cross-seam passes more than they did last year. This is putting all of the defensemen in compromising positions where they're asked to make a really difficult play and they're getting burnt down low. Nurse and Larson getting burnt down low. Ethan Bear. But I just think it starts at the right off the face-off where you lose that face-off more often than not. Shaylin had a better you percentage just, last you, year, I believe. You just, and, said, you just and, said it. They're losing then, the face-off. And then, and then, Bob, he was really, really good at stopping those cross-seam passes. He was absolutely brilliant at it. It's an underrated skill. comes with reading the game, and he was so good at it, and they really miss him. Although Gaetan Haas is doing an okay job, but there, there's no one close in, what to, I, to what Shane did. What I would do is I would – so – in the show, because I want to see where Holloway and McLeod are, and I'm not saying either guy makes the team to start next year. I'd say Holloway might be closer, even though McLeod's having a killer run right now in the American League, uh, and and maybe they start on the left wing. But what I would contemplate doing, because you, you've got Torres already, uh, and you, you let's say you have Haas and you have Kara, and Kara can play the left side, I would contemplate signing another right shot center at like a million bucks but the guy's got to be able to win face-offs david if you take a look at the Oilers' face-off percentage in the pk and that'll tell you around the league teams that win draws they have higher uh penalty killing percentages it's that simple they do yeah. it's that simple yeah, I may take a look. I might dig into that. That sounds like something to dig into. Uh, I, I don't think that's a bad idea, Bob, and it's great to have, like, Holloway. And this is another reason you don't sign a third-line center. You have Holloway and Ryan McLeod coming up. But, you know, these are two absolutely top prospects who could either be that your third-line center that or skate. on the wing. That can so. skate. That can and skate. can skate. They're just fast. They're big. They got every, you know, especially Holloway is a whole package. So he can also win faceoffs. So maybe he's going to solve the problem. But yeah, I like your idea. If it's not Devin Shore, and I don't think Devin Shore is a great PK player, so maybe he's not. It's essentially replacing Devin Shore on the roster with a, a pretty good, a better 14, PK guy. Pretty good for 13th, 14th forward, Devin Shore. He is. But, he, so. but if you want that PK guy, I don't think it's Devin Shore. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, we went the whole time without talking about uh, the, the other part of your job, which is covering uh, the, on, the ongoing pandemic. Let's leave it yeah. at that. How do people follow you, David? Uh, just, just go online and read the cult of hockey. Google the cult of hockey. That's. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's where you see my work. All right, excellent stuff. That is David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. We'll take a quick timeout. It's 1256 in Edmonton. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shack. I think the surgery is uh, today or tomorrow for Oscar. And that is a variable that the orders are going to have to factor in. Because if he can return to play, it's going to change the dynamic a bit, potentially, for one of the guys that we've been talking about, either uh, most likely Tyson Berry. The Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every goal the Oilers scored, James H. Brown donates $100 to 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. Why James H. Brown? Because they're the best. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Brendan Escott. All right. Well, you just heard about Oscar Clefbaum. We know Kyler Yamamoto still day-to-day nursing an upper body injury, and Kyle Turris is awaiting activation from the non-rostered injured list. Um, from Montreal, I mean, Tyler Toffoli was scheduled to miss all three of these games for the Habs against Edmonton. That's likely not going to be the case by the time that these games are made up, so maybe Montreal catches a break. Uh, same with Ben Chirot, uh six to eight weeks. I believe, with that broken hand. Sends forward Austin Watson. Four to six weeks on the shelf. He's got a left hand uh, injury that he suffered on Monday. And Maple Leafs goaltender Frederick Anderson was absent from practice this morning. Sounds like he's ready to miss yet another week of action, Bob. All right, there you have it. 12.59 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back for Mattress Superstore, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.